0: In the fall each year we all congregate The vows all gathered at the church of hellgate The scriptures reading from the book of Munson Our favorite birth, my God, a precious, Drunk and obnoxious, what well children faith Ain't nothing to find her in the lane Now the 3,000 of our
1: best friends It's Saturday and last Welcome to the Saturday in Athens podcast. We're a Georgia Bulldogs show by dogs fans for dogs fans. I'm your host, Herschel Gurley, and we are fired up today to be joined by Corey Smith. Corey Smith is a Georgia grad. He's a singer-songwriter with almost a 20-year musical career. In that time, he has released 10 records, sold over a million tickets. He is a damn good musician, and most importantly, he's a damn good dog, and we are fired up for him to be here. Corey, welcome to the show, man.
0: Hey, how are you? Glad to be here.
1: So I want to start with you. Obviously been a really strange year, especially for folks in the musical space. Why don't you tell our listeners what you're up to now and where they can come see you this summer if, if they'd like to.
0: Well, yeah, it's been a little different, uh, probably, you know, understatement. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I don't know where I am right now. I really, you know, I've been, I've been home a lot. Uh, for a uh, for well over a year now, which has been at first it was strange, uh, then it was pretty cool, you know, actually being around the family all the time. Um, see, I I actually had eye surgery at the beginning of 2020. Okay, uh, my vision had gotten really bad because I had um, I only have one eye because of an eye injury when I was a kid, and I got this a really bad cataract. And over the course of 2018 and 2019, I lost a lot of my vision to the point where I couldn't drive. I couldn't, I had a hard time recognizing people. Uh, oh, I had a wow. hard time on and off the stage, that sort of thing. But I eventually I had to have this surgery and it was a little risky because I only have the one eye. Right. And so that I had to basically cancel everything I had on the books for 2020. And I had to make this decision back in like November or December. And I mean, I was it was a it was a horrible, agonizing thing to have to do to tell all my guys that we're not going to be working for at least the first three months of 2020. Um, I had to make some changes to to kind of get my head around this idea that I would I wasn't going to be touring, you know. Um, so I did all that, had the surgery in February surgery went great. I can see great. It's like the world's looking up. And then in March, it's sort of like, all right, now we're going to start ramping back up and get this thing figured out so that we can close 2020 strong. And then boom, you know, COVID pops up. So the, the only, the good thing about that for me is that I was already prepared, you know, to be off the road. I was already, my guys uh, that work on the road with me had plenty of notice to, to be able to adjust Um, I was able to start focusing on my studio and what I would do in that downtime. So I was at least more ready for that for this year than, than most artists. Uh, That said, I I really thought that by now, uh, you know, we'd be back to some semblance of normalcy. And really so far, all I have are four dates on the books for, for 2021. I've got two shows in Atlanta that are almost sold out uh, at the, at the Roxy. And then I have two shows down in Charleston uh, in June. Yeah, that's part of the reason I asked you about that because
1: my wife and I bought tickets to the Friday night show at the Windjammer this morning. Oh, right. Uh, we, yeah, man. We live out at, out in of Palms, so we just moved back down to Charleston area in uh, August. We had lived here before and had the opportunity to come back. And, man, it, you know, Charleston's one of those places kind of never leaves your heart once you come. So Great, uh, isn't it? Yeah, oh, it's yeah. fantastic. And the Windjammer's awesome, so that, that's going to be a kick-ass show, man. We're, we're fired up about that.
0: You know, I love Charleston, and I, I tell my kids, I've got two boys that are, that are both teenagers. My oldest just turned 16, and we obviously want them to go to Georgia. And I've actually had the luxury of traveling so much playing music. I know every college town just about there is to know from the East Coast to the West Coast. I've been to most of them, you know, and I've scoped them out, and I've thought about it from my kids' perspective. You know, if my kid chose not to go to Georgia or if my kid couldn't get into Georgia, where would I recommend, you know, my son to go? And one of those places is College of Charleston. Oh, heck yeah. Hey, the guy to girl ratio is highly in your fav- favor. That's right. That's you got, right. Got beach, you got fishing. You've got a downtown area with history and culture and great food. Like I'd, I'd get behind that. I'd have to take out a loan, but I'd get behind that. Well, hey, no, no, you wouldn't, because
1: if they don't go to Georgia, y'all don't got to pay for it. <laughs> that, that's how you frame it, brother. <laughs> if, y'all make the, if y'all make the right choice, it'll be paid for. <laughs> so, well, yeah, man, we're, uh, we love it here. I mean, we, uh, we're originally from Virginia, and my wife and I had, had moved down here back at the end of 2010, and our two oldest kids were born here. And man, we just, we fell in love with it. H- had to go back home for a little bit, but when the opportunity shot up to come back, it was, we, we couldn't say no, man. We got down here as quick as we could and what a great spot. And, and it puts me closer, a closer drive to, to Athens too, which, which isn't terrible either. So, um, yeah. yeah. Where are you from? So originally from a really small town in Virginia called Tappahannock, right on the Rappahannock river, about an hour Northeast of Richmond. Okay. So, yeah. So I'm from a little map dot.
0: But so, uh, from Virginia in South Carolina, but Georgia through and through hosting yeah. a podcast. <laughs> That's right.
1: Yeah. So I, I have a, an interesting Georgia story myself. So my, my brother and I both played college baseball and I played at William and Mary and my brother played at Charlotte. So neither one of our schools had what I would call quote unquote real football. So, we had some really, really good friends that went to UGA and invited us to come hang out with them. So we're like, hell, hell yeah, man. We'll go to SEC school and party. And that's really the only reason we went was to party and hang out and meet co-eds, man. Like that was our, our main motivation. So our friend said, well, I bought us tickets to the football game. And so we're like, well, whatever. We don't, we don't really care one way or the other. And she's like, no, 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 no. We're, we're going to go to the football game. So first game we ever went to was Deep South's oldest rivalry, dogs tigers and it was the game where odell picked jason campbell off in the end zone and took it 100 yards to the house oh yeah oh oh yeah brother and we're in the student section i tell the story this way i felt like odell was pointing at us the whole way down the field so (laughs) ever since that day we have been i mean died in the wool and have have been to at least one game almost every single year since then and man, I just am the biggest Georgia advocate and we just love it to death, man. Athens is, I would say other than Charleston, probably my favorite place on the planet to be. I just I love Athens, Georgia like no other. I think it's such a magnificent town. And um, yeah,
0: we. Uh, the bulldog nation does not discriminate on what state you're born in, what country you're born in, where you live, where you went to school or any of that. We take everybody. All you got to do is say, go Dogs."
1: Well, and that's, that's been the beauty of it, man, is for us, it's, we always tell people it's our adopted alma mater. So that's, that's kind of how we frame it. And um, through the podcast and stuff, it's been incredible to it. If, if our love for Georgia could have gotten deeper, it has just because of all the folks that we've gotten to talk with and hear their stories and man, it's just such a great, great place to be associated with and, and uh, to be
0: proud of. So yeah, that's,
1: that's a long-winded way of telling our story, but yeah.
0: Well, you shared your first Georgia game experience. Should I share mine now?
1: I abso- absolutely. I want to hear about that.
0: So forgive me if I'm a little long-winded, but it's complicated, some, some somewhat complicated. But okay, I like that. Okay, I, so I, I live now and grew up in Jefferson, which is about 20 minutes, 25 minutes from Athens. Now, nobody in my in my immediate family graduated high school, much less went to college, right? Um, Nobody in my, in my family went, went to Georgia by any, by any means. But in Jefferson growing up, 129 was the main thoroughfare from 85 to get to Athens. So my whole life on you know, home games in the fall, Jefferson, this small little one red light town, was inundated with all these crazy people driving through with flags on their cars. And, and you know, uh, there was a, a there's a town between here and Athens called Arcade. Uh, which was really nothing but a few liquor stores and some bars, right? And arcade boomed because of Georgia games, because people would come through and buy their liquor stocking up before they got made it into Athens, you know. Um, people in my family, you know, they kind of, my uncle, uh, he, he was a Georgia fan. He would turn on the game. My grandfather was, he was kind of weird because he was a Georgia Tech fan, really, but he didn't hate Georgia. He kind of liked Georgia too. He kind of rooted for both. Was, yeah. I, now looking back, that's kind of bizarre, but that's the way it was, but it wasn't a big deal. It was just sort of this strange thing. Like now when I was in high school, I was, um, I didn't really have a thing, you know, I wasn't an athlete. Uh, I didn't play football, never played football. Um, just, I didn't really have a thing. I played tennis, but nobody counts tennis as a sport, you know? Uh, <laughs> and I played guitar. I didn't really have like an identity. So, so much. Um, and, but one Saturday I went to Athens with a friend of mine who was in the band. I wasn't in the band, but my friend was, and they were doing a fundraiser and they would go to the stadium and sell Cokes um, okay. and up and down the aisle and sell Cokes. Yeah. Uh, and so I was like, okay, I'll go and help out, sell some Cokes, whatever. I can do that. And I had never been to the stadium. Uh, even though I grew up so close, uh, much less been there on a game. And so I'm showing up not knowing what to expect and, and where the section where we were selling coats was on, uh, you know, underneath where the skyboxes are, you know, on that side, yeah. uh, you know, right, right down near the hedges down close. Right. And I remember thinking, this is the most bizarre shit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> People, a lot of them are drunk as hell. And everybody's just going nuts. And I was just sort of like a participant observer. Like, why is everybody going so damn crazy? This has been going on here so close to my house all these years. And I had no idea, you know, it just blew my mind. Uh, But, you know, I I wasn't there to watch the game. I didn't even really see much of the game. I was, but I sold a shitload of Cokes, you know, I realized I'm a pretty good salesman. So flash forward a few years, you know, I graduate high school, uh, to me, the idea of going to Georgia way out of my league, you know, I went to Gainesville College, uh, community college and, and flunked out a little bit. Um, I met my wife, got my shit together, decided I wanted to be a teacher. My grades uh, were not doing well, so there's still no way I could get into Georgia if I wanted to. My wife got into West Georgia over in Carrollton about two hours from here, yeah. um, a year or two below me. So I, I, I did have my grades up enough to go to West Georgia. So I transferred to West Georgia, and I went there for a year. And by that point, I figured out academics. I was a presidential scholar, all A's. Like I was in, I was going to be a really good teacher. And then I, I got to Carrollton, was there for a year, and I was like, I love this. I love this college experience, being away from home, living in a dorm. Like I'm good. Well, my 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 girlfriend at the time, my wife now, decides she wants to go to Georgia. Now she was gonna, so she's going to transfer, and I'm like, I don't want to move back to where I'm from. You know, I don't. <laughs> close to jefferson and i thought georgia is such a big school i don't want to go there it's going to be impossible i'm making really good grades here but of course i followed you know grudgingly okay and i got into georgia surprisingly and i remember when i got my acceptance letter i felt like holy crap i just got into the university of georgia how did this happen and i showed my dad and you know he was just super proud like he couldn't even believe it like what you got into georgia like yeah i'm going to georgia (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I go there, uh, I, I, rent, I, I rent a room with with some of my friends that went to high school that were going to school out there at the time. And, you know, my first fall in Athens, football season. You know, this is, I wasn't even thinking, like, this is going to be a big part of it. You know, I was just going to school, going to go, you know, be a teacher. So football season's there. And I realized, like, man, my roommates are fucking nuts. Like, they, <laughs> it is a. This was back when DJ Shockley was there. Uh, yeah, the Donnan's last last year, and yeah. uh, they are just this—they're obsessed with it, and I don't get it, you know. And I—I I didn't have tickets to the games; I didn't bother trying to get student tickets because it wasn't that big of a deal. But I would sit around the apartment, and we started watching some of these games, and uh, you know, it's pretty fun. Like, okay, uh, we, 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 we walk—we watch some pretty epic games. In um, the last game of that year, Georgia Tech at home. My roommate, who did have some student tickets, or one of my roommates, couldn't go to the game, or or he had a couple of extra tickets. That's what it was. He said, "I've got a couple of extra tickets. Do you guys want to come to the Georgia Tech game? Uh, me and my wa- my girlfriend, my wife now. I'm like, yeah, well, yeah, sure. Well, no, we've never actually been to a game, so yeah, let's go to a game." Uh, it was cold as shit, and it was raining, <laughs> and I'm bleeding at times, and our seats sucked. We were in the in the in the you know behind the goalpost. Uh, you couldn't really see much. So we go and I'm kind of checking it out. I'm freezing my ass off and the trumpet plays up in the corner, of, you know, of the stadium and Larry Munson's voice comes on. Now, Larry Munson's voice, I was familiar with because, yeah. you know, all the all growing up, if you're uh, in a store on a Saturday, Larry Munson's playing, you know, if you can't watch the game, you're listening. So Larry, this familiar voice to me for my whole life that I hadn't really thought how, how important that voice is to me. Larry Munson's voice comes over, and you know, just talking about the Bulldog Nation being justifiably proud, and I got chills, and I got tears in my eyes, and I looked around, and I was like, "Oh my God, these are my people." This yeah, is, it. and from then, I'm done. Now the game went on, and Georgia got their ass kicked by Georgia Tech, <laughs> <laughs> but from that day on. I've been a fucking dog. Like I am in, you know? Oh man. I love that story. And
1: I, I so empathize with that because that was our experience, man. Like I, it's one of those things where you tell people about it that haven't had the experience and they kind of look at you like you're crazy. Right? Like, I I don't get this. Like you are insane about this. I don't understand it. And it never fails, man. When I bring people to Athens for the first time and take them to Sanford, it's like, they just kind of look at you with this look. Like I get it now. Like, I understand. And it's one of those things you can't really put words around. It's a feeling. And I don't know. I feel like in a lot of ways, it's similar to music, right? I feel like in a lot of ways, music is a feeling. You can't really wrap around the passion for that or what that makes you feel like, but that's what it is.
0: Yeah, so, and, it, and it's the sense that all of these thousands of people, tens of thousands of people that, that are just, and we're talking about just the ones at the stadium, but we're yeah. all the same reason, rallying around the same purpose. There's this sense of of unity that you only get in other places like at church or at a concert, right. Where everybody there for a good reason to support the same thing. Um, And it, yeah, it's, it's awesome. Um, It's awesome. And, you know, traveling around over the years uh, and, and playing even in Gainesville, Florida, you know, or or Tuscaloosa or or Auburn, wherever. The cool thing is they feel the exact same way about And their experience, Um, I remember I I, I was playing in Baton Rouge one time and um, I was playing on campus and they they asked if I wanted a tour of the stadium there at Death Valley. Yeah, "Yeah, it'd be cool to see. And the the uh, the young people that were giving us the tour. I mean, I could see it. They were given that tour like to them. The places we were walking were so sacred and so hallowed, just the way I feel about Sanford Stadium and walking around the campus at UGA. And it's sort of, you know, in a way, it sort of eased some of that hatred that's in rivalries. Because even though I really don't like Florida, I don't hate Florida. I don't hate Auburn. I don't. I don't have hate, but I have really severe dislike for. (laughs) We play, you know.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I feel that for sure. Well, that so that my brother and I have this thing now where we're trying to hit every road stadium in the SEC as the dogs hit them. And, you know, we, we still got a long list to hit, but that's been one of the cooler parts about that experiences is getting to experience their ecosystem, right. And and their game day experience. And you're right, man. It's like, there's a lot of kinship in that. And you start to realize like, you know, we may be at different churches, but we're all, we're all here for the same thing. Right. And I don't know, it's a cool thing. And I just love, love, love. Fall Saturdays, and that was one of the things about all this this past year that that stunk out loud was knowing that it w- even though you could go to the stadium in yeah. a limited capacity, it, it wasn't the same, right? Like it just it just wasn't the same experience. The before the game to me is equally as much of the experience as the yeah. game itself and all that collegiality. So, man, I, I, I so I so hope we're close to getting back to that.
0: I didn't know I had uh, we had tickets uh and i gave them away and i, I was a bit torn but it, and it's odd because most years i don't get to go but a handful of games because that's when i'm i'm traveling and working on the weekends right um, i'm so my family goes um but uh so this year i'm like hey I, man i really hope i can go to every game because i'm not going to be torn but of course it didn't work out and then when i found out that we actually could go i, I thought about it and was like you know on one hand, it would be cool to go and say, well, you know, I was at I was at one of the few games where there were hardly anybody where it was socially distanced and all that. And I could say that. And then another part of me was like, you know, I don't think I want to remember that. I don't think I, I don't think I, I don't. So I just decided I, I wouldn't go because to me, it, it just wouldn't be the same.
1: Yeah, we did not go to a game at Sanford this year. My brother and I went down to the cocktail party and that was a whole different experience. And it sucked because obviously the game sucked. But uh, <laughs> we try to do something together because he lives in Charlotte now. And we It's it's kind of like our meeting point. We can kind of put it on the calendar. It's a time we're going to get to spend together. And really it's become as much about that as it has about the dogs. But sharing those two things together is beautiful. So we always try to keep that as a touch point. And uh, we had a buddy, though, that that went and he said it, it just wasn't, to your point, it just wasn't what he had hoped it would be, right? Like, you know, you're always happy to see the dogs and be there. He's like, but if I had to choose, I'd never do it that way again, you know? Yeah. And uh, I, I get that. Well, so tell me this. At what point in that journey do... Does music come into play? When when are you starting to go? You know what? I want to go play, play some bars. I want to go play some shows. I want to sing my own music. When does that when does that come to fruition?
0: Well, it's bizarre because I I think I had different stages. Uh, Like I said, when I was a teenager, I didn't really have a thing Um, I I did. I was in drama. I I did realize like I kind of like being on stage. Um, and I, I started playing guitar kind of seriously when I was 15. And I, I could sing. I, I sang in church growing up. And uh, I, I enjoyed singing. And to me, the guitar was like a way that I could sing songs. So I wasn't really interested in the guitar. It, 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 the guitar is more of a means to an end. You know, I want to be able to sing this Black Crow song. So I need to learn it on the guitar. So I don't have to sing it a cappella. Nobody wants to hear that shit. So I started playing guitar. And um, uh, learning cover songs uh, in during high school, and then when I graduated high school, and when I was flunking out of college in Gainesville, Georgia, not Gainesville, Florida, <laughs> yeah. um, I decided <laughs> I want to be a rock star, I think I could do this. I can sing and I can play guitar, and you know, all these people that I like listening to, like I, I like Hooting the Blowfish, I can play all their songs and sing them just as good. I, I can do this, shit, you know, uh, I can. I can play these songs that Matchbox 20 are, are doing. Why can't I make up my own? So I started that kind of thing. Like, I think I can be a rock star. And then I, I started getting myself gigs um, at, at like bar and grills, like Buffalo's Bar and Grill in, in Lawrenceville, Georgia, you know, and uh, maybe a coffee house or something. And I I can make extra 50, 100 bucks um, going and playing in, in a corner of a little bar. And I was singing cover songs uh, primarily. uh and then I, I was writing songs a little bit, but, you know, then nobody wanted to hear this melancholy shit that I was writing. It wasn't very good. Um, <laughs> and I, I I met my wife and then I decided, you know what? I don't want to be a rock star. Like, that's that's not what's most important to me. That seems like a very risky path for me to go down. Um, that that might not end well for me. And I, I kind of thought what I really wanted out of life. Um, and that was I wanted I wanted a family and I wanted to, you know, to have stability and i decided i want to be an educator and make a difference and uh all that stuff so i sort of put the guitar aside at least i I quit approaching it like that like uh, you know i decided i don't i don't want to sit in the corner of a bar and be like a human jukebox that gets quarters plumped into me uh that's not fun so i i focused on getting my education and uh you know building a, a building a life and through that I sort of discovered that I enjoyed playing the guitar and singing and I enjoyed writing songs. And whenever, when I was living in Athens, you know, with, with my roommates, they enjoyed it when I broke the guitar out and, and would play on more songs I made up. And it just, I realized like, this is a part of my life. It's not a means to an ends. It's something that I do. Um, it's part of who I am. And oddly enough, when that happened and I started thinking about it differently, that's when I started writing songs, uh, started sharing my experience and writing about things that I, I was going through and feeling. Um, and then I, I, I go through college and, and start teaching out in, in Gwinnett County. Um, me and my wife bought a house here in Jefferson and, um, I was teaching school and I was still writing songs I, in the back of my mind. I was like, you know what, maybe I could write some songs that were good enough that maybe somebody would want to record them and I could be a songwriter. Uh, and I even went up to Nashville with my wife on a little weekend trip to check that whole scene out, you know, and, uh, that was sort of eye opening. And I, I was like, I don't want to do this shit. I don't want to move up here. I mean, Nashville's awesome, but I, I was like, I want to live in Jefferson. I don't, I don't want to do this. So I sort of kind of gave up on that. Um, and, you know, kind of one thing led to another, like I, I kept writing songs and, and I, I went to this uh, open mic night at, at this place in Monroe, Georgia, in this little coffee house called Cheetah Marie's. And the prize of this contest was 12 hours of studio time. And at that time I had just written the song, what happened, which is on my first album. Uh, And I'd written this when the sun goes down in Georgia and I'd written, and a lot of these songs were songs that I'd written when I was still living in Athens and still in college and just kind of had them. Um, And anyway, I I won that contest uh, thanks to the song, what happened. And my prize was this 12 hours of studio time. Well, in that same course, I also wrote 21 uh, and I wrote a few more of the songs on that record. And I went in and made the record. Um, and uh, I, I I was nervous because I had to put my own money with, because 12 hours wasn't enough. I needed some, some more. Right. So I, I took $800 out of our bank account, which was our rent, our mortgage payment for the next month. But I had a plan. I told my wife, look, We have a lot of friends and family and they're, they're always really supportive and everybody seemed to be so excited that I was going to be able to make a record. Uh, So I rented out the little clubhouse here in Jefferson for like 75 bucks. I got a keg of beer. We bought some barbecue and I invited everybody I know uh, to come to this CD release party. I had, I had like a hundred CDs printed up uh, and, We charged like five bucks for people to get in and they could buy CDs, sold every one of the frigging CDs that night, made more, made enough to pay for the record. Right. And I was like, this is a win. Now I've got a record. Awesome. And I started playing bar gigs on weekends when I wasn't teaching and making a little extra money. And, you know, the the record kind of helped that. But what I found were people from Jefferson that bought that initial CD, they they loved it. They loved it. It was like, loved it more than I thought anybody would love it, you know? And yeah. they shared it, and they would burn it. They would burn the CD, and they would spread it around. And a friend of mine uh, named Chris, he, w- he was going to school up in Dahlonega, Georgia at the time. He was a few years younger than me. And he uh, he hit me up one time. I was playing at this little bar here in Jefferson, and he was like, dude, you got to come to Dahlonega. He said, I took your music up there, and everybody's been burning it. He's like, you're, you're a freaking hit up there. You have no idea. No way. So Yeah, I'm telling you, dude, you got to, hey, you told me about this little bar there called Busters that had a little stage and people would play it. And I was like, okay, I'll see if I can get a gig. I called up Busters, uh, tell them who I am. They're like, yeah, you know, we won't pay anything, but you can charge $3 at the door. I was like, all right, cool, let's do it. And Chris was not lying because I, <laughs> I showed up with, you know, with my PA, my cousin was with me to help me load it in and he was going to help work the sound. It was just me and the guitar, you know. And uh, I don't know what time I was supposed to start, but I was eating. They have food there. So I was sitting at the bar eating my dinner and all these people started coming in. Everybody was staring at me and pointing at me. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? They were, <laughs> there was this weird thing like, oh, there he is. There he is. What the fuck? And by the time I started and actually a side note, uh, I, it wasn't just me and my cousin. I also had my friend Brantley Gilbert who had some friends up there too, who's also from Jefferson. So he wrote up with me to play before. Right. And by the time I went on, this place was fucking packed. I mean, assholes, the elbows, it was packed. And I was like, Oh my God, these people are going to want me to play sweet home, Alabama. Like this is going to suck because they had, I had no idea what it was. And I started playing the first song from that record "In love with a memory. I played the opening lick. And the place went fucking nuts, and they sang every fucking word. I was I couldn't believe it, you know, like what is happening? And for that that was the night I think I was like, oh my goodness, they're like something's happening here. Like for some reason, this is resonating with people. So I I, I kept playing little bar gigs. More people would start coming because it was spread like that. A year later, I did the same thing. I went I made another record financed it myself. But this time I had more money because I've been saving up. Um, and, uh, you know, then I made my third record the f- year after that. I would do it in the summertime when I was off of school. Um, and so by the time I made that third record, I mean, it, it was pretty, it, it was nuts because um, by that, th- the third record was, I think, in 2005. And that one's the one that had, if I could do it again on it, That's the, that was the big one off of that record. Um, it, it's the good life record. Um, and I'd been playing, I'd played in Athens a couple of times, um, at, at the Wild Wing there and at a place called Tasty World that used to be there. Uh, and I'd sold those out, uh, you know, several times. So I was ready to move up and I had my first gig at the Georgia theater, uh, in December of 2005. I was still teaching school. Uh, I had just put out the good life record. I didn't know what was going to happen because it was a thousand tickets, you know, to, it was, um, and the thing, and I had, I I had Brantley open, like, cause Brantley opened almost everything. Uh, and to add a little more juice there was Zach Brown was this guy that was like playing acoustic or, you know, (laughs) had been playing acoustic around Georgia at the time. He had just kind of put a band together and was now the Zach Brown band. Uh, and the promoter thought he'd be good for a few tickets. So I added him and the damn thing sold out in advance. And I made more money in that night than I would make in, months of teaching. And I was like, you know what, this is, I, I've got to do this. I've got to, I've got to, I've got to get after this. So there's your long winded story. Well, that that's fantastic. I,
1: I, I want to peel that a little bit because I have a couple follow-up questions. We've been lucky enough through this kind of Georgia story journey, learning folks's uh, path and, and how they got where they got. And it seems to me from the musicians that we've talked to, it's the ultimate entrepreneurial endeavor, right? And you have to, I feel like it's almost harder than a traditional entrepreneurial endeavor because you're the product. And I feel like more than anywhere, you have the imposter syndrome creep in about like, can I really do this? Like, is this really going to work? Like, are people really going to get behind this? So I want to kind of go back to that first show where you said, everybody's looking at you at the bar. How big was that affirmation and, and sort of a proof of concept that, Hey man, there might be something to this. Like I might could could make a life doing this.
0: Oh yeah. It, it was everything. And you know, I think a lot of artists make a mistake early uh, when they assume that if they do it, then people listen. That you know, all they need to do is do it. Um and they'll throw everything at it. I've seen artists throw thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars behind making a record and putting a band together and going out on the road, but they actually they don't know that anybody's going to that it's going to resonate uh, for me. I'm not a risk taker like that. I can't take I can't take a risk where I don't know exactly how much the, I could lose. And I don't know exactly how much is to be gained. You know, I, so for me, I needed that. I needed a lot of evidence that this can work. And I mean, it's still uh, it, it's it's really it, it still gives me chills to think about it. It was so unforeseen. Um, you know, I, when I started out, even, even in, after I left teaching, my thought was, you know what, I, if I work really hard and I can keep myself three or four dates a week, uh, or, or I'm sorry, three or four, if I can work three out of four weekends every month, I think I might be able to make a hundred thousand uh, dollars. if I do this and, you know, playing around Georgia right? and that was the kind of goal I said, I blew that shit out of the water. I mean, it, it was like a few years later, I'm, I'm playing for more people in, uh, Charlotte than I am in Athens, you know? Uh, so I, I remember we did a gig in, uh, in, in, Clemson outside, uh, outside of little John, there were yeah. like four people there, you know, they, I, it just blew my mind. Clemson's not that far away, but another thing that blew my mind was, um, I got an invite and this is within my first year or two. To play in Gainesville, Florida at the University of Florida at the O'Connell Center, O'Donnell Center, the O'Dome, whatever they call it, for a pep rally before Florida's first game. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, this is a joke. Like, they're getting me down there because they're going to abuse me or something. Like, this is, yeah. this is a joke. And they're like, no, no, it's not a joke. You're just, we asked the <laughs> freshman class who they wanted and you were who they wanted. Uh, they voted on it and, and then there was a caveat. Uh, the caveat was I wasn't allowed to play every dog.
1: I was going to ask uh, that. That was going to be my yeah. question.
0: And I was like, no, I'm not going to go down there and flaunt my Georgia red and black. And if I know, I know the situation I'm being hired to go down there. I'm not going to go. They know I'm from Georgia, you know? Uh, so I went down and, and played the show by this point. I was playing as a, as a trio, uh, with drums and bass and go down and play the show. And it's just packed. It's just big stage, big like, man, this is, this is amazing. And I, I walk off stage. I think we ended with, if I could do it again, I do that most nights. And the place is just going bonkers. Um, normally I would go out and do uh, like fuck the popo. And every dog is a, is an encore. If I was in Georgia, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, I go backstage and I hear the crowd just roaring. And then I hear a, something start They start chanting something chanting like what is that what is that i w- walked out to the door and opened it so i could hear and the whole bottom of the odom is going every dog every dog, <laughs> every dog. and i'm like oh my god you know hell just froze over what is that's that? right and but I, could, I had to go out there and tell them like i'm sorry i can't play it i won't they won't pay me if i play it so i ain't gonna play it i gotta get paid y'all <laughs> yeah
1: that's right that's right Oh, man, that's fantastic. What an epic story.
0: About, they love that song because it's about them beating our ass so much, you know? <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, man, that that is that is so fantastic. Well, so flesh that out a little bit, because obviously. The University of Georgia and more importantly, the classic city, Athens, are ever present in your music and mm-hmm. talking with you just for this short period of time, it ain't hard to figure out why that is, but. Just tell us a little bit about the influence of UGA and Athens on not just who you are as an artist but who you are as a man as a father as a husband all those things
0: I think any any writer that is that is pursuing the same thing that I'm trying to pursue and and that is like authenticity, like pure, genuine expression of this is who I am. This is what I'm experiencing. This is my inner world and I got to get it out and I'm going to share it. And it, it, it might stick, it might not, but I've got to do it. You know? So any, any writer who is writing with that, from that place, their surroundings, it's gonna, it has to be there, right? It has to be, you, you can't, nobody exists in a void, not in a cultural right. value. You know? So, yeah, here in Jefferson, Georgia and going to UGA and all, all, all these things like, yeah, that's who I am. Um, I didn't set out to write songs that were about Athens, but, you know, through it's weird when you write like that. A lot of times I discover things about myself after I get it out, you know, like, oh, wow, I didn't I didn't realize I felt like that. But I totally do. You know, that's why I've got chills right now. I just realized something about myself. Um, and so. Yeah, I mean, all those things are tremendously important. Athens, to me, like I mentioned before, it was, it's a big point of pride to me. Having that UGA diploma, I'm I'm as proud of that diploma as I am anything that's happened in my music career. Um, it's a it's a it's a something that I, I belong to. It's a part of my identity. There's no taking that away. And the, the beauty of this is that that yeah, those songs have a lot of Athens in them. They have a lot of Northeast Georgia in them. But it's magical to go to Virginia or go to Louisiana or go to Missouri or, or go to Chicago and have people understand completely what I'm saying. Because even though the places might be different, they attach it. It's like like Springsteen, the Jersey Shore. That's Springsteen. You want to know about the Jersey Shore? Listen to Springsteen. Now, I, I've only even been there one time. Most people never been there but does that mean you don't get Springsteen? Hell no. Cause we attach our own special things to it. We, it's still communicated. I, I, I think that that ultimately, if there's one thing about my music that I think has allowed it to do what it has, it's that just being really honest and trying to be transparent.
1: Well, I think that's pretty evident, right? I think I, I love, um, I don't know where I read it. I don't know if I read it on your website, or if I read it in one of the articles about you, but it, it talked about you being fan made and man, how, how great a thing is that if you're an artist, right? Because at the end of the day, that's real. I mean, you can't, you can't buy that. People just gotta, they gotta love what you're, what you're singing about and love what you represent. So I think that's a cool thing. And I think it's evident in um, how long your career has been and how um, passionate the fan base that follows you is. Uh, and I think to your point, you can't, you can't hide authenticity, right? So if you're really being who you are, people are going to buy that every day of the week and twice on Sunday, brother. Like the the, the way to be unsuccessful is to try to be something that you're not. And, And that's tough for a lot of people. So I think that is definitely a ton to do with it. What was, I guess, the moment where you were like, this, this is going to work for the long haul. Like I can be a musician and that can be the path that I go down for the foreseeable future, because I, I there had to be points where you go, man, you know, like this might work for a year. Maybe this will work for a couple of years, but I don't know if this is going to be like what my actual career turns into. Was there a light bulb moment where that happened or is it still now every January you're going, shit, man, I don't, I don't know how we're going to make it work. And we're still fighting and clawing to get there. Like which, which one of those is it?
0: It's both of those things. Um, oddly enough, it's I mean, I'll always point to that Georgia theater show, that first one, uh, as the moment where, I mean, that's when I quit my day job. That's when I said, I can do this. I don't know how long I can do it, but I tended, especially early on, I didn't set these ambitious long-term goals. Uh, You know, I didn't have like, okay, I want to go, you know, sell out Madison Square Garden or anything like that, or I want to sign a big record deal. I want to win a Grammy. I didn't, I never thought like that. It was always Okay, well, what's realistic for the next three, six months? You know, you, but, but what I've found is that uh, over the years, yeah, it's, it's sort of like once the bar is raised, and once you go from playing in small bars and being totally thrilled with that, and then go, fr- go from that to playing in big theaters and having a tour bus and having a band, um, and the ticket price is going up. Now, all of a sudden, going back to playing the guitar and bars, it's not the same. Then then that feels like a, a bit of a setback. It feels uh, that that's tough. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's both of those things. I, I, I'm shocked that, you know, now I'm, I'm well over 15 years going on 20 years of, of doing this. It's amazing. And, and I guess maybe I, I don't want to stop. You know, I, I this is what, at, at this point, this is what I do. This is, this is kind of what I'm good at. So that, that then adds a lot of pressure. It's like, well, how do I keep, how do I keep doing this and also keep, keep people, keep reaching new people and keep impacting people. So it's, uh, it, it's definitely, and especially after 2020, it's like, I don't, I don't know what's next. Um, you know, I, I know that Atlanta's next and then Charleston um, yeah. and, I'll give those shows all I can give them and, and hopefully, and I'll go in there with my guitar, just me and the guitar. And I'll, I'll do it just like I did way back in the day. You know, I did a few of those shows uh, the past year uh, in, in the fall, I I did like four shows solo acoustic socially distanced, And it was, it was really awesome. It was just after so long of not having that, it really took me back. And it was like, yep. Similar to being, you know, at Sanford stadium, it's being on that stage. It's like, This is where I belong. These are my people. You know, this is what I do. Well, we are confident that things will continue to to
1: soar for you. I mean, if if your track record is any indication, and and given the passion that we've heard today, it's going to be – it's a no-doubter, brother. Things are going to continue to catapult for you. Well, we want to close with you the way we close with all our guests. We do something called the Smart 16, which is just 16 kind of quick questions in honor of Coach Smart. So I'm just going to fire them at you.
0: Okay, I got you.
1: All right. What's your middle name, Corey?
0: Ha. Oh, then what's your first name? <laughs> Thomas, like Thomas Jefferson, I guess. Oh,
1: yeah, I love that. So that has been an answer. We, we, I guess we've had four or five of those where our guest goes by middle name. So, all right. Who is your favorite dog of all time?
0: Uh, no, Sean. No, Sean. That's a that's a good one. That's a real good one. He's an awesome dude too. He's an awesome dude.
1: He seems like it, man. He just seems like one of those guys that is kind of a joyful spirit. Like you could kind of see that when he played and he just seems that way whenever I see him in interviews and stuff. What is your favorite game you've ever attended or watched as a dogs fan?
0: To me that the victory in South Bend, you know, against Notre Dame, that was, uh, that was, might be my top all time sports moment. Being there with my wife and kids uh, that, that was tremendous. I didn't get to be at the one when they came and played in Athens. My family was there, but so that one doesn't count for me. But uh, being in South Bend was great. All right. Well, brief detour
1: because I, I can't not have this conversation with the guests that tell me that they were there because my wife and I were
0: there. How <laughs> magical was that place? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like – I think that is the epicenter of it all in a way. You know, you feel like there, there's definitely – despite all the rivalry – um, and people's passion for their individual teams, you go there and it's sort of this unifying thing. Like, this is it kind of, this is where, this is where it started. <laughs> you know, like this, this is it. It was, it was awesome. And everybody was yeah. so
1: nice. Everybody oh so- my God. That, that was the other thing I was going to ask you. I mean, nice as they could be like bend over backwards to help you and make sure you're having a phenomenal time.
0: And I think they're used to it because I think, most everybody that plays there has that experience. Their, their campus is like a museum. The stadium's like a museum and everybody's walking around in awe. And I think they just are like, this is what South Bend is. We're, the, we're hosting this and we treat people with, with respect uh, and are glad they're here and that they revere it the same way we do. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. You
1: can just tell the pride they have in it and they want to protect that and make sure people leave there with a good taste in their mouth. So I, I 100% agree with that. All right. What is your favorite away stadium in the Southeastern Conference? Okay.
0: I can't answer that question. I don't think because I've actually, this is going to sound bad. I have, ne- other than Jacksonville, which doesn't count, I've never been Correct. to a, a road game. I've been to those stadiums before, but I've never been there actually for the event. If but, you
1: are, let's let's ask it this way. If you had to pick one, if you only got to go to one away game, which stadium would you like to see hot and full of all that Saturday energy?
0: I would like to go to Oxford and go hang out in the Grove. Um, I think Oxford's an awesome town. I just love that place. And that's no disrespect to any, to any of the others because, I, I mean, this might pain pain you to hear it, but Tuscaloosa is an awesome town. You know, you talk yeah. about I think Oxford's special. And I think Oxford reminds me of the Athens that I went to school. When we weren't winning championships, we weren't contenders. Uh, we were just trying to beat Tennessee or beat Florida. That was it, you know? We were no less passionate. And that's that's what I see when I go to Oxford. Like the, They're gung-ho no matter what their record is.
1: All right, what is the loudest home game you've ever attended between the Hedges?
0: Probably... I guess it was an 04. We beat LSU at home. And to me, and it, and I think it, I remember it being the loudest, but it was because we were we weren't where we normally sit because I accidentally <laughs> I had accidentally thrown away our season tickets. <laughs> <laughs> I had thrown them away? Uh, so we had to that's a whole story, but I got tickets from somebody else and they were club level. And I'd never sat at club level. And when we got to rocking and rolling, I mean, it felt like that place was about to fall apart. And we beat the shit out of LSU, too. It was awesome. I was there that day, brother. It was rocking. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: that, that, that was a good one. And what but they miss, did.
0: They uh, I've missed all the big ones recently because, I, you know, I'm touring. Like It pained me when, when Notre Dame uh, was here. To watch that on tv and see that energy and i was i i got tears in my eyes because i was so glad my my wife and kids were able to be there yeah. but it all hurt because i could just tell because you ask most people that were at that game they're probably gonna say that was the loudest yeah it was a
1: it was electric man like just game day was there it built all day and then with the lights debuting that night and it was just majestic that day i mean the weather couldn't have been more perfect and the energy was just so good and so positive. And I think to the point about what we talked about earlier, I think everyone in Dog Nation that had gone to South Bend and had such a good experience. They really wanted the folks that were in town that supported Notre Dame to have the same experience. So it was just a really fun day in Athens. And man, what, a, what an exclamation point on it that night. Um, well, okay, I'm going to give you an out on this one. You get two choices because I think I know what the first choice is going to be, or at least what, what it should be. You get to choose the headlining act at the Georgia Theater. Who do you choose?
0: Yeah, I choose me. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so if you were going to see someone there, who would you want to see?
0: Oh, uh, who would I want to see? The, the first thing that comes, I've, I like I saw Jason Isbell there a few years ago, and it was awesome. Like, I, that, that was a great experience. Uh, I, I would watch that again, you know. But, you know, how Willie Nelson. I, uh, I don't Ooh, know that's a good one yeah that's a good one man that'd be great in that
1: intimate setting too that'd be awesome yeah and yeah and you know everybody probably get a contact high too so it'd be a really jubilant evening <laughs> all right really know, but he was
0: it was at the classic center it was a little different
1: yeah a little different i got that all right what's the cocktail you're mixing for the world's largest outdoor cocktail party
0: if it's before noon it's the bloody mary if it's afternoon, then it's just uh, kettle one and club soda. That's it. Nothing all right, fancy. I'm. Yeah,
1: I'm good for that. All right, you're in Athens for one meal. You get one meal to eat. What's your favorite place to eat in Athens?
0: I, I mean, that one's tough because I eat in Athens like almost all you know all the time. I eat, I was <laughs> I was in Athens last night. You know? um, lots of great restaurants, but I guess the go to is of course the Varsity. Like, if I had, had one if I, if I wasn't going to be in Athens for, for a, a long time and I had to go, I, I would go and uh, hit the varsity up.
1: Oh, this is perfect. You're just teeing me up. This, we'll, we'll come back to that.
0: All okay. right. Do you, have, do you have any game day superstitions? I, I don't know if it's a superstition, um, but my predicament when I'm touring uh, is sometimes if it's a night game, uh, like the Notre Dame game yep. I have to go on stage and play while the game's happening. Yep. So I have a crucial decision at some point. And it depends on when the start time of my show is and when the, how, how far we are into the game. If the game is at a point where like, let's say it's the third or fourth quarter and it looks like we have it under control. Like we did Notre Dame. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to go on stage and I'm going to play and I'll ask one of the crew guys to, hey, y'all, I'm going to ask about the score. Keep me updated, okay? Because I have a pretty good idea we're going to win. Now, little did I know what drama unfolded at the end of Notre Dame, for example. Yeah. Um, but now, if it's not that far along, if it's the first quarter or the second quarter, and it could go either way and it's a big game, then I'm going to go, don't tell me a fucking thing about it. <laughs> And I'll tell the <laughs> don't say anything about this Georgia game because I've got it recording and I'm going to get back on the bus as soon as I'm done. And I'm going to watch this game. And to me, if I do that, don't say anything because it will affect the outcome of this game. That's (laughs) right. So I guess that's a a type of superstition. Yeah. That we've,
1: we've had a couple other musicians on. And that that was one of my questions. Like, are you getting updates in your in-ears or like, are you telling everybody, don't breathe a word of what is happening and like when you get the tour schedule and the dog schedule you like circling oh shit i'm gonna have a conflict this night like we're gonna have to figure oh, this yeah. shit out
0: <laughs> oh yeah it's it is worse and and the only thing worse than that is play, let's say we have a three thirty kickoff and we lose and then i gotta go on stage because it just ruins the night you know it's yeah like, I, I like it, having a good time <laughs> yeah but it's pretty it can be
1: tough Okay, what's your favorite Sanford Stadium pregame tradition? Uh, dog walk, red coat marching band, lone trumpeteer, and then Larry Munson coming over to the airwaves. I think that's that's where we'd be headed.
0: Yeah, that's it. It's the, it's the trumpet. It's the trumpet and hearing Munson's voice and seeing those highlights. And I love e- each season when they update the highlights, you know, and you get to see what else. And you always see something that you'd forgotten, like, oh, yeah. Uh, that's definitely my favorite. I, in fact, yeah. I can't make it before that. I'm not going to, I don't need to go to the game. Like to me, that's it. That's what gets me in the mindset. I'm not, I'm not going to walk in halfway through the first quarter. You know, I'm going to be there 20 minutes before that.
1: Yep. That's the same for us, man. We start making our way there in plenty of time to get there for all that because that's part of it for us. Otherwise, I just watch it on TV at home, you know, like I, I need all that. Okay. Yep. Black jerseys. Yes or no? No,
0: no, no black jerseys.
1: I love it. I love it. All right. What's the loss you're still not over?
0: National championship, Alabama. That that yeah. was yeah.
1: That that's that's a that's almost the unanimous answer. I mean, I don't know how you can't do that one, but God, we try we were, not to think of. We try not to think about it.
0: We were there, and to go from wow, I think you know, and I, that was such a bad year because I was also at the Super Bowl with the Falcons. Oh and, God. So, feeling of, Oh my God, I think it's going to happen. I think I'm about to see the Falcons win the Super Bowl and then have it go so horribly wrong. And it, you know, a year later, not even a year later to, to have that same experience in Atlanta with, a, I'm a Falcons fan, but I, it's not the same as Georgia. It's just not, yeah. it's not the same as Georgia. So to have that, um, you know, to, I still, have nightmares about that that pass and just seeing it. And he knew when it was thrown, like you could see it like, Oh my God, this, this is it. And everybody's just stunned. I remember I'll never forget the look on my kids faces. It just, it was heartbreaking, heartbreaking. I, I
1: describe it. Like it was as if someone removed all the bones from my waist down yeah. and I could no longer support my body weight. I just crumbled to the ground. <laughs> it was, yeah. it was horrible. That was a
0: horrible yeah. Horrible walk back to the hotel in Atlanta that night too. Oh God! See that—that's the part you
1: can't even. Um, that's the part you can't even fathom if you're watching it from afar. Is dealing with that piece of it. So I, I empathize with that. Bama
0: okay, family.
1: I told I told you we I told you we'd come back to it. What's your order at
0: the Varsity? Two chili cheese. No, no, not cheese. Just two chili dogs. Uh, and fries and a varsity orange oh yeah so
1: i've said i've said this a thousand times but i'll tell you because you, you ain't heard it i plan my plane trips if i have to have a layover to make sure my layover is in atlanta because i can hit the varsity in terminal b i think it's terminal b at the airport before i hit my next flight out
0: yeah nothing like so that's it.
1: A, nothing like it brother okay there ought to be a constitutional amendment outlawing noon kickoffs yes or no
0: no, because I, I I think there ought to be some I think we ought to be really careful about what's a noon kickoff. If you're gonna have a noon kickoff, it needs to be one of those cupcake tune-up games that nobody really is gonna be gung ho. Don't put a don't put an SEC rivalry game on at twelve o'clock. That's not fair to anybody. Nope.
1: You know. Yep. I'm I'm right there for that. Boss, my co-host has a theory. He says noon games for everybody else no noon games for us. (laughs) He's like, so I can watch it if I want to watch it, but like all my kids activities aren't going to get in the way of me seeing the ball game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, Something that I wasn't planning uh, or that I didn't really expect is as my, as my kids got older, my son, uh, my youngest one played football. Um, And so for years, all of his games were in the middle of the day on Saturday. So it was, it just kind of, man, now I've got to choose between watching my son or watching Georgia. Of course, you know, we're going to go watch our son. We're going to um, – you know, that, that's the only upside of my, my son deciding he, he didn't want to play football anymore. It's kind of like, oh, oh, dang, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Shucks. Yeah, well, you, you'll get this because we talk
1: about this all the time about how we know we're getting old because now we got to text each other. Hey, man, you watching the game live or are you going to be on delay? Like if somebody's got some activities going on or something, so that's that's a whole different thing now. All right, man, last question. College football playoff, expand to eight teams or find how it is?
0: Absolutely expand. Expand to eight teams because it's only gotten better since we we added the – went to the four, right? It's only gotten better. So it, it has to get even better with eight teams. And let's stop it there. Stop it there. Yeah, I think
1: eight is plenty. I think four, it put them in a quandary to start just because there's five power conferences, right? So they were putting themselves in an impossible position to start. And I also think it doesn't give the SEC any grace to get a second team in. And I don't think you can be in your right mind and argue that it's not hands down the best football conference. So you should just pencil in two SEC teams most years anyways. And I think eight would allow that and give you a little bit of grace because, you know, say you're Georgia and you run through your year undefeated, but then lose the SEC title game. Are you not one of the best teams in the country? I mean, I, it just seems like a crock to me. So yeah, anyways,
0: it's tough. It, I don't think there's a clear, there's not a solution that's going to make everybody happy all the time, but I do yeah. think that all since, since we went to the, 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 you know, 14 playoff, we have seen better football. We've seen better national championships. I think most years, By the time you get there, you know you're looking at the two best teams in college football. This year was different. It was a weird year altogether. So, who knows, most years, those games are usually really competitive and really fun to watch.
1: Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Well, you're off the hot seat. You have completed the Smart 16. Thank you for indulging us with that.
0: Did I pass? I'm not looking for an A. Just You pass, man. Okay.
1: I think you're Dean's list on that. I think you're right up near the top on that one, brother. Right. Good deal. Well, hey, Corey, tell our listeners how they can find you and support you. Social media, um, where they can buy tickets to your shows, all those things.
0: D-O-R-E-Y. Smith. Search me up. Google. You know, search me up on uh, Spotify and on uh, iTunes and wherever you stream your music and uh, go to our website. And I I I wish I could say there was a bunch of dates on there right now but uh if you're hungry for some live music and you want to see some uh solo acoustic singer songwriter stuff i think there's a few tickets left for for uh, atlanta and um and in charleston too so and then hopefully there'll be a lot more dates to come as more states start to kind of open up all right well y'all make sure and get out
1: there and support Corey. if you weren't a fan of his before this i don't know how you can't be a fan of his now just uh a damn good dog and thank you for hanging with us and, and go dogs brother my pleasure
0: go dogs take care hey george is better now